Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is Ellie Aaron. Woohoo! Hi, everybody. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Cody. First time guest, long time person of knowing them thing. What? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of a creative way to say I've known you a long time. I've That's all, that's all you got to say, that you've known me a long time. Very long time. Th- that you love me. Of course. Very much. And you were in two of my films. I starred both, in your first. I should say both, rather, because I made two. Yes. Yeah, you starred in the well, I wouldn't say starred, co-starred. With you. Yeah, co-starred, first one. And then you were part of an ensemble in the second one. I was one of the lovely ladies that you filmed. And you got to see my my rear end and my sexy back in the and second a little, movie. A little side boob. A little side boob. Was there a side boob? Yeah, a little nipple. A little side nipple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So those at home listening who want to... <laughs> find out what all that looks like go and watch rehearsals second film cody clark au revoir. it's pretty Is sexy that how you say au revoir, over uh, you know what i mean l-e-u-v-e-r whatever it is cody clark boudoir cody clark oeuvre <laughs> i think it's like oeuvre <laughs> you know do you have any idea what i'm talking about like a larva like no no I it's, it means like your body of work oh okay i think it's oeuvre is that a French origination? Oh, yeah. Okay. Big time. Okay. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Ouve. Ouve. Or it might just be like, ooh. I like these sounds. Keep going. It's just, yeah. Listen really in, intently at home and I'll just make. <laughs> that must be like one of those ASMR type things. Could there, be. That has to be like some sort of fetish, like humming into a microphone and saying French words improperly. If you can think Ooh. about it, if you can think about it, then it's a fetish. Yeah. It if reminds, someone's thought about it. This will go over your head, but it reminds me of Sideshow Bob on uh, Simpsons. There's a part where he steps on a rake and hits him in the head and he goes, you. See, I can imagine that happening though. I you didn't know, you didn't know who the Simpsons were before me, right? I know. So it's true. Cody basically introduced me to TV, movies, yeah. media, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you thought, I, you I, thought Homer was Bart. You thought Bart was the name of Homer. I'm still confused on all of it. All right. Let's let's go through. What are the, the Simpsons? The four Simpsons? Um, Marge. Mm-hmm. Maggie. Yeah. Homer. Yeah. Actually, Bart. five. Sorry. Bart and the little baby. Um, That's Maggie. Okay, Maggie. Maggie! What's the, what's the sister's name? Um, Lily? No. Bart's sister. <laughs> Oh, God. What are you going to give it me if I get this of, right? It kind of rhymes with pizza. Uh, Not exactly. Pete? I just, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Lisa? Liza. Le- Lisa. Lisa. Okay. Yeah. Uh. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, Simpsons is, is a show that I never got into. Didn't grow up with it. No. And you didn't grow up with what we're going to be talking about today, which you saw very recently, as recent as last week. With you. With me. Yes. The Star Wars trilogy, the original saga. Can, Four, I, five, can six. I sing it right now? Or is that... You not... can, I think you can get away with that. Dun, 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 dun. 
See now that whole theme song just feels so much more real. That and means so, something. It to you means now. something. Before it's like, oh yeah, that's the Star Wars theme song. I'm like, okay, whatever. But now it's got all this depth. It recalls memories of things you saw in the film. That's right. right. And and good memories and and tears and sitting with you and watching it and feeling like I'm actually now in knowing. Space. <laughs> In space. Fighting in a war. <laughs> Being a rebel. The, I want there to be a female Jedi, though. Like, I feel like I could be a badass female Jedi. I mean, Princess Leia, I feel like... Well, I, she, you know, towards the end, they're like, all right, well, she could be the next one, too. Well, this is what I feel like... The Force is strong with the family. Right. So she should be the next Jedi warrior. You, and, you're talking about in Seven. Yeah, I mean, whatever comes Which is next. coming out December 15th, I think, something like that. Is that uh, story already, like, was that already written? No, or? what happened was, I think 2012, Disney bought Star Wars from George Lucas. So everything from that point on is not from his mind. It's from other people's minds. So they're just carrying on the story. You know, for a very long time, like decades and decades, there was a lot of like, Star Wars universe, which was like equivalent of like fan fiction. Like there would be just writers that would write like paperback books of like in the Star Wars universe, but not canon. You know, the only thing that was canon was ever what George Lucas put out. So four, five, six. Yeah. And then one, two, three. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, for decades, people were writing prequels and sequels and this, that, and the other, and, and books between films, mm -hmm. like a book between Star Wars and Empire, between Empire and, uh, Return of the Jedi. So it was all filled out, but it's all basically just fan fiction. Interesting. You know, even though there's like hundreds, maybe thousands of, of books in the what's called the Star Wars universe. So anybody like just decided to write it because they were inspired. So they. Yeah, it was all like, uh, and I haven't read any of it, but I hear there's some that's like pretty damn good, but I'm not versed in it, but I've, I've been aware of it for as long as I've been aware of Star Wars existing because people are always clamoring for something else because you got to remember that it wasn't until 1999 that we had Star Wars episode one and mm. then two and then three over the next couple, two, three years span between them kind of thing. So people were, so, people were so clamoring for more that they would just write their own stuff and come up with their own characters and come up with arcs for existing characters etc. I love but, that. So now it, it's basically like because Disney has the rights to it, seven, eight, nine are canon technically. Wow. Even though it's not coming from Lucas. So it's like, you know, that used to be the rule because it, Lucas owned it all. Lucasfilm, yeah. that was his thing. How much did he sell like the... the Billions and billions <laughs> of, dollars. of dollars. Here's this concept that's literally changed the lives and movies have changed the lives of so many people. Here, take it. Now you get to run with whatever ideas you want to create, yeah, which a, is a big responsibility, actually. You know, if, if you're... If, like, if I could see how this could become someone's like just main philosophy in life, even a lot of people. Yeah, it's like with Star Trek, you got a uh, you know, the Trekkies and Star Trek. I always thought it was so funny that Star Trek like fans are called Trekkies and Star Wars fans are just called Star Wars nerds. I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, you wrote that on a Facebook status the other day. All right, you're blowing up my spot. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> People at home thought that was just something that came to my head. They didn't realize it was a pre-existing Twitter joke I made. <laughs> it's fine. You get to recycle your Twitter and Facebook right. jokes. I didn't realize I had to throw out my old material <laughs> when we sat down for this. But, this has um, to be completely new, Cody, right now in this moment. <laughs> but it, it's funny. It's, it's There's no name for it. It's not You're not called like Warzies or like Starzies or, you know, like there's no cute like fan name. Jetties. They're just called Star Wars nerds. Yeah. That's it. Well, we, we, like I said, we need to come up with a better name for it because... Listeners at home, if you have an idea for a name for Star Wars fans collectively, send it in, leave us a voicemail, 718-395-9711, or just tweet it to us, whatever. We'll play it on the air, read it on the air, whatever. We want to hear your your shit yeah whatever you come up with absolutely we'll have a, a mailchimp um you know we'll take a survey you know we'll, no, we'll no, have no, a few no, 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 no. <laughs> and then we'll come up with uh -uh. the official good name for no, star no, no. okay all right you've been here one day <laughs> i want to run the show <laughs> you're already running our mailchimp 
<laughs> I don't like how this is going. <laughs> All right. So we watched four, five, six. Yes. I finally sat her down. Four, five, six. We're watching this. He literally took my body and sat me down. On Carried the couch. you to the couch. <laughs> dropped you there. I'm only carrying you there. I'm not placing you there. No. Dropped you down on the couch. <laughs> you hurt your elbow. <laughs> had to go to the hospital. <laughs> Weeks later, <laughs> then we finally then. got to watch all of this completely made up. But the truth is that we did watch these movies. It's true. That, we did. that is a true fact. That and is the, a true the fact. way that we watch these movies, I initially I was like, all right, well, I got on DVD some bootlegs, you know, the laser disc widescreen uncut, you know, actual Star Wars. Not when he tinkered with it. I got that on like a bootleg DVD. We can watch those. And then I'm like. Not so much (laughs) because I realized you got to see it full screen. Original. All right. People at home, they're cringing. Okay. You got to see it full screen. I'm sorry, folks. You can't watch it in the original aspect ratio, which is like 220 to one where it's, it's just a squinty line on, on your TV. You can't do that because you need to connect with it fully. And yes. you, you got to see it big. And the biggest you can get it is to watch it four three on your screen. If you're in the, if, if they were playing them in the theater, I'd be like, yeah, we go to the theater. We see it super wide. But if we're at home, I'm sorry. If you're seeing Star Wars for the first time, you can't watch it all squinty stretched no. on your TV. You got to watch it full frame. Definitely. And I realized, you know, a lot of Star Wars, the framing really works for full screen. Because a lot of the uh, spaceships they're flying around in, the what they're looking through is like a circle or whatever with mm. like some cross beam whatever's on it. You know, like everything's very 4-3. Like the TIE fighter is very square, you know, and the Millennium Falcon, when they look at it, it's it's got a very square thing to it. And I just, I feel like to connect with Star Wars, you got to see close-ups on people's faces. Mm-hmm. You got to see that that intimacy that really puts you there. And I, I really noticed that I was right in my idea of that because like in like the cantina scene, you need it very close. You need it very like claustrophobic. What's the cantina scene? That's the bar that they go in in the first one. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You need that very very close up because it needs to feel like a claustrophobic space. There's so much stuff in, in Star Wars that really benefits from that closeness. I, I really do think that it, it's a better experience, not just because you connect more to the characters because you're seeing them bigger and you're seeing their faces more. And you know, for you, these are entirely new characters. So you need that. Sure. People will think I'm just being nostalgic for like how I saw it on my TV, but I think there's, okay something, there's something for it. Like, Yeah, that's okay too, but I think it enhances the experience. Definitely. And I was telling you how I felt like, I think especially the first one really feels like theater. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels like live theater. It feels like I'm I'm almost in the movie with them as opposed to being more objective, which feels like the experience in a lot of other movies. I felt like I was really in it, you know? Yeah. Like they could kind of just step out of the screen and, and you're right that first me. one is a little bit more theatery than the next two definitely the next two are more movie vibe right first one there's there's some theater qualities to deliveries and acting and exactly etc i feel like it it hones as it goes on the um, over emoting yeah. you know i felt like as time went by it became more minimal more just like how you would yeah, you more know, movie movies. vibe. Yeah, but less for the back row, as we as we say in the industry. Exactly in theater, but I but I enjoyed that. I felt like it didn't necessarily take away from anything. Right. You know. Well, uh, I should explain also the way that we watched it is I had to buy the uh, four, five, six VHS box set because there isn't really an option to watch the uncut Star Wars is 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 on DVD <laughs> in full screen. Right. You know, there's an option to watch it widescreen. It doesn't really exist in full screen. It only exists in full screen form. The original uncut Star Wars is is is, is <laughs> in the VHS box set, and that's the one that came out right before the special edition when he tinkered with it. It was like this is the last time you can see Star Wars as it was like originally done or whatever. Like you got to buy that box set. So I bought that on eBay for like 25 bucks. Awesome. And we watched that. 
And you're so sweet because <clears throat> you said, if you're going to see this, you have to see it this way. Yeah. And you made it happen. So I love you for that. And it was a beautiful experience. So uh, let's the talk end. about the first. No, that, <laughs> that was a short podcast. <laughs> let's talk about that first one a little bit. Yeah. What was your it. initial reaction? Let's say to the opening classic Star Wars crawl, you know, the text, the yellow text crawling through the... <laughs> The, the space sky. Yeah. Again, that felt very theater, you know? Um, I mean, also it was just a text floating through the sky, but it, it felt a bit cheesy. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but I don't know, something about it was like special, you know, it, it created the atmosphere of this is going to be an experience, you it know, felt like an event, I guess. Yeah. An event. And again, like just the music and the vibe and everything, it, yeah, it, it was really exciting. How quickly did you key into the characters and start like digging them? I think it took a little bit of time, but probably into the, I don't know, maybe half hour in or so, I started yeah. getting into the vibe of it and, you know, getting into Were the world of it. Were you gripped from the beginning or did it take you a little while? It took me a little while, actually, which is interesting because I was just like feeling it out, seeing right. what was happening. Right, because it's totally new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess there's expectations about what star Wars was going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, and one of my favorite series of all time is Battlestar Galactica and the, um, uh, the recent series, the recent series, right. Which I really, really loved. So I have these ideas of what shows in space look like and, and you know what it's supposed to feel like. Right. So that was what I was like looking for a little bit, but so I had to sort of relax into whatever this was going to be. Sure. Um, but I liked it. I liked, I liked that it felt different, you know, and you kept reminding me, no, this is, the, this is the original. This is what everything else has, you know, that's come after. That yeah. You see so space. much stuff that's just directly from Star Wars. Yeah. I, uh, I love R2-D2. That's always been my favorite character. So sweet. Just the sweetest. The sweetest. The best. I, I love wanna, his little beeps. I love everything. <laughs> I want to hug him. I want a little R2-D2 Everybody for myself. Does. He's the best. Yeah. I and, feel like he's really the character that you connect to first because C-3PO is kind of annoying throughout the series, but by design. C-3PO you know, was... The, that's the other, the golden. Wow. People so, are going to be like... <laughs> Are you sure she was paying attention? Okay, I knew this was going to happen. He's the gold man. So the names of things, they didn't necessarily stick, but that's okay. The big gold guy who hangs out with R2-D2. He, I like him too. I yeah, like Yeah, I like both. him, but he's, he's, by design, he's a little bit like, all right, fuck that guy. He's kind of annoying, you know, but he's, you know, he's there when you need him, I guess. <laughs> he's there when you need him. I like them both because I feel like there's a lot of movies that portray computers and technology is negative and this is a movie right away that presents two central characters that are good guys that are computers you know and and well robots robots you know but but you know yeah the r2d2 and what was the other guy c c3po c3po there's so many movies where you have such a, a negative connotation of robots you know terminator uh, <laughs> which you also hadn't seen <laughs> which until I also hadn't seen. a couple months ago <laughs> and um right and also the battle Gal- uh, galactica characters where um you know there's there's some humanity to them but right away there's sort of a war against humans and robot and machine yeah. we're here right away we're actually friends with them so that presents an interesting i, I think in a more in a better approach to how we can actually you know, connect with robots, which are going to become a real thing at some point in our lives, you know, robots. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have robots. Yeah. But robots <laughs> that are actually in our lives, right, in right, our right. existence, yeah. in our homes, no, I get you. you know, and right away they're connecting with the main characters. So that yeah. was endearing. the thing that I like too, is that it presents, um, droids as they're called in the star Wars world as, um, subservient, but like you also see that like maybe they shouldn't be entirely subservient and they have something to offer. Like you see that the characters kind of dismiss C-3PO and R2-D2 beyond like what they can directly offer them. Like mm. they wouldn't be important to them at all if they didn't have that that special message in, from Princess Leia and et, et cetera. And um, yeah, they don't really, they aren't taken seriously, but like as the saga goes on, they have a bigger role and it's more like, all right, you guys are part of the team too. Yeah. So I like that, that shift where you see like 
almost like the racism against droids sort of dissipate. Yeah. 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 And a lot of the droids too, it's not like they're all as sentient as C-3PO and R2-D2 and whatever. You get the idea that C-3PO and R2-D2, they're a little bit special. Right. They're, there's something about them that, that's a, more than just being a droid. So it's almost like you're seeing more of a, um, like an AI forming and like a comfortability with like droids being almost like a race. And I would like to see 789 kind of take that further where maybe droids are more integral and are seen as people rather than just these little Roombas that you right. have. That are, because that's definitely yeah. like, you know, they buy C-3PO and R2-D2 and it, it has a feeling of like a slave auction, you know, even though the mm, other droids... Literally. That are, yeah. Even though the other droids that are there, you don't get the same sentient vibe from them. It still feels kind of like a slave auction vibe where they're just kind of talked about as like property and like, all right, well, what can this one do? Right. You know? Which feels kind of gross, actually. Yeah, but you see that grossness kind of... Yeah take a turn and then you realize like, all right, well, these people are realizing the role. So I want to see, that's something I really want to see in 789 is, is what's the next evolution of that, mm. you know? And they're integral to the story really without them. Oh yeah. You know, well, they're our, our anchor point, you for, know, right, right at the start. Exactly. Carry, carries us right through. You know, we don't see Luke right away. We don't see Han right away. We, we see R2-D2 and C-3PO right away. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically from a droid's perspective, the, uh, the story, really. That's interesting. Because it doesn't really feel like it's entirely from Luke's perspective or Leia or Han or Darth or whatever. It feels like the story is, is basically from a droid's point of view. Like if it were a written novel, and there are novelizations of Star Wars, but if, if George Lucas completely abandoned the idea of it even being films in the first place and he just wrote it as novels it probably would have probably would have had the droids be maybe the uh the first person observers of this you know mm. that would be a, a an elegant choice that would get across what he wanted to get across with the droids i think well their uh robotness right there the the view of of it being from the droid it does feel like it's objective there's no sort of necessarily right. rooting for one person against the yeah, other. Yeah, it's more in line with like a third person narrator. Yeah. Because you you know, you get the sense that robots, roboticness, objectivity, etc. Yeah. But essentially they're all there as tools for the humans that are in charge of whatever's happening. You yeah. know, so there's the the other robots that are then there for the Emperor, you know, and it's it, essentially they're there for our own use. So I like the idea of what you're saying of really creating a more um, human relationship with right. them and, and really valuing them more for, for what they are, because they are so integral for the story, for the, for the good to prevail, so to speak, of what we want to happen. Were there any human characters that you liked right away? Hmm. Han Solo. You liked him right away? Yeah. That's I liked his assholeness. Yeah, that makes sense that like, I think he's really is the only character that you fully get and like right away. Yeah. Besides the the droids. Yeah. And I mean, Luke, I like, but, um, you know, part of I was I was thinking about, you know, the Jedi way. And part of what happens of when you have to become a Jedi is you have to almost disconnect from your human desires. Right. And your human previous needs, self, your previous self and, and your and your desires that sort of maybe take you down like negative roots, right? So Han Solo is very human, which what ends up getting him to all the trouble that he gets that he gets into. And so mm -hmm. does Luke, but over time he he needs to shed all that to, to right. become the, the Jedi. The that Luke he is. that we first meet is essentially the previous Luke. And then we see the new Luke towards the end of it. And towards in the second and you know, yeah. or the I guess five and six, right? Yeah. Yeah, five and six. That's when you Especially know. in six, I guess. Totally. Right at the start of six, we're seeing this new Luke. But part of what I think frustrates me about that as well, in order to sort of be a Jedi, right, you have to, you know, get rid of your desires, get rid of, you know, your sort of negative inclination in humanity in a lot of ways. And I think 
in part, you end up, I end up actually not relating to Luke as much because he sort of has become this other entity, this Jedi that's, you know, this Zen amazing. Well, he's never a perfect Jedi. That's true. You know, he's that's never, true. he calls himself, he, he insists that he's a Jedi towards the end of four, five, six. And, and that almost points to the fact that he hasn't entirely shed his previous self because it becomes like an egotistical thing. He's constantly like saying that he's like a Jedi Knight or whatever. Right. Which points to how young he is with it. Yeah. That he hasn't evolved past like that stage. And it's all, it, it all is very rushed. Like it feels like very. he doesn't get enough training from right. Yoda. He ends up at the end of six, you know, I guess he sort of, he, he was almost like a participant in something much larger than him rather than a direct reason why something occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's a talented fighter pilot. For he's, he's pretty, a larger force. Yeah, and he's pretty good at, you know, the lightsaber, but he didn't play, like, a central role as, like, a reason why, other than, like, inspiring his father, I guess, right. a little bit. Like, it was mostly, it was mostly Darth Vader that that really caused the empire to fall. Yeah. And the destruction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So he's never, he's never a perfect Jedi. And also, uh, Harry Burris, fellow smug film contributor, he wrote a great piece about like the prequels and the fact that the prequels kind of underline the fact that the Jedi's are a little bit full of shit. I think so too. Like there's no way to be a perfect Jedi. Totally. All the Jedis, they they think they're like infallible and awesome, but they're often very fallible. And they think they think they've shed their ego, but there's a lot of ego to being a Jedi. Right. Exactly. So part of what this mirrors in Buddhism, I'm a longtime lover of Buddhism and uh, Buddhist philosophy is the guru student relationship where you have to prove yourself and, you know, become the student of the guru and the guru is your mirror and your teacher. But a lot of times what ends up happening is, you know, a lot of the gurus are actually end up failing you in a lot of ways. You know, there's, there's a lot of times where they come off sort of the pedestal of the, the magic guru-ness of, of it, you know? So part of that, I, that idea that I like, I think in, um, in what you're saying about what, what Harry is saying is the sort of like bullshitness of the Jedis right. and sort of really being honest with their humanity. You know, Yoda, even though he had all these amazing characters, there's also some darkness that he had in the movie as well, even though it might not have been clear right away, but it's there, you know? I think the thing about Yoda too, is that we hear a lot about Yoda but we don't know how much of that is actually true. We can only really trust, you know, what we actually see demonstrated. And basically we saw an old man with some wisdom who has enough, you know, strength with the force to like raise a fighter pilot out of the water. But that's basically it. Right. You know, because he actually can't go and save, you know, do that. Well, he's really old. (laughs) But the point being that like a lot of the stuff with Jedi, it's, it's, how people talk about them, mm. you know, and the uh, importance that they ascribe to them yeah. rather than what we're actually specifically seeing. And I think, you know, that's, it's a, a great thing by design is to not show, never show the Jedi's as these perfect beings that they, they purport to be and, and talk about, you know, attaining and whatever it's like a- attaining enlightenment, you know? Yeah. It's like you can't ever do it right. really. Fully, ever. Anybody who says that they, they are, they're full of shit. You know, they, they might have zoned out for a while, but that's not fucking enlightenment. Right. And th- there's always more work to be done. And there's always, as long as you're, you exist as part of the collective, there's always work to be done, you know? So because of that, there's never a perfect moment of enlightenment because the Jedis are still living in the body. So they're still going to have desires that are, gonna you know potentially veer him off the track as presented with darth vader yeah it seems like you know the dark side of the force it's always going to be there and it's always going to be waiting for you to sort of veer off course to it but i think that you know it's all kind of like arbitrary you know it's like they call it like the dark side and the light side but within the light side there's also the dark side exactly which comes from like the egotistical like pompous jedi vibe of that it's like that is kind of the the dark side too. And I think, 
you know, the emperor kind of points that out really well towards the end of the, the series in six. Yes. Where he's talking about like, yeah, go into your anger. He's like, fucking kill me, fucking destroy me. Give into that because that is the dark side. Oh my God, that was so powerful. Oh, it's so good. Oh my See, God. See, the thing about six, I think five is probably my favorite of the three just because as a film, I think it's it's the most solid of those three. But I will say that six contains some of the best parts of the series. Actually, I would say the best parts of the, the three films. Oh, yeah. The only problem is I think it also contains some of the worst parts of the entire series. I think the whole Ewok thing is just about the worst that the series gets. The, the four, five, six. The, you know, the little, the little guys. teddy bear guys. I think they're cute. All right. I think they're adorable. Um, well, you, you told me that six is your favorite, right? Six is definitely my favorite. It, Absolutely. The stuff that works in six is so transcendent. Oh, and my so God. So fucking good. Oh, that third. <laughs> The third act is perfect. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, that in itself, like you can just study that, like those 10 yeah. minutes and 15 minutes at the end. And that's enough wisdom for you to chew on for the rest of yeah, your life. Yeah, all this stuff with Darth and Luke and the Emperor, that's oh. the strongest that the entire series gets. It's so powerful. It's just a shame that like the first act of the film is kind of like, I wouldn't say unnecessary, but it's kind of like superfluous. Like it's just a tying up of like loose ends that nobody even cared about in the first place. And you get a little action and this, that, and the other. But I mean, you know what? Maybe that's okay. Cause maybe it's the, you have to start kissing before you go for <laughs> you're like, where is this metaphor going <laughs> before you get to, you know, you know, the peak, the vagina, the vagina, the, before you get to the peak experience. Right. Because you need you need that time to settle and like just become comfortable again with the characters because i i feel like if you're constantly giving a thousand like if you're if you're having scenes like the, the scenes in the end the whole movie then that wouldn't be profound no you know, absolutely the, no the, i i the agree magic with that of it metaphor. Is, you know the magic is that it's so incredible i just didn't end. like the kissing that much <laughs> like i i agree that the kissing was necessary I didn't like the kissing of the Ewoks and I didn't like the kissing of the way that the Jabba stuff was handled. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like how it was handled. Okay. It's like, yeah, you need kissing, but not that type of kissing, I guess. I, I just didn't like the kissing. I liked the sex part. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Whereas with <clears throat> five, maybe the sex wasn't as good overall, but the whole overall thing, it was more enjoyable to me. I liked the kissing more. I liked the... You know, the sex wasn't as great. Right. It was more the overall experience. Yeah, it was. It, there was less dips right. in, in pleasure. Well, that's the six. There was too much of a dip in pleasure for me, even mm. though the, it ended up really well. So that's interesting because maybe that's just like a preference thing, you know, because yeah. I, I really I think six is actually probably my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it was clear when I was watching with you. That was the only one where you were truly like on the edge of your seat. I would say literally like for the last <laughs> third of that movie, you were like your head was basically in the screen. You were leaned forward so much, mm. you know, and there were tears. There were. There I were mean, tears. it was emotional. I could have cried, but I didn't. You, you can cry anytime. I know. I'll hold you. I'll cry right now. <laughs> no, but it was like that. It was so emotional. That, oh, God. It's so good. Uh, and the part of him like saving his dad, yeah. like that really hit home. I think that, the reveal. Like even thinking of it right now, just like it gets gets me because the just the darkness that his father got into and him connecting with him and not giving up on him and saying like where in you is that space that actually still feels the goodness yeah. where can you connect with that part of yourself and that's what we lose so many times when we go into dark places you know there's we forget that there is this kernel of goodness there's this 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 beauty, right? This essentially this force of good, right? Yeah. That's there both for ourselves and for one another, right? Because the emperor is all about himself. That's the problem. He's such a desire filled man that has created, you know, essentially a pyramid. So he's at the top. Everyone else is at the bottom. The Jedis are all about trying to restore order, restore the energy, restore equality, equality yeah. the, the homeostasis of, of the galaxy. Whereas the emperor takes uh, himself and puts himself on top, which is 
ends up being you know, the problem, right? So, so he, his desire, his anger has taken himself so much that, and which is very attractive and cause hate and desire and, and anger is very attractive. So it's easy to manipulate people in that way. And that's why he ma- manipulated Darth Vader, who essentially be like changed who he was as a person, but the goodness was still in him. And that's what I love so much about the, that the movie is that Luke never forgets that that part of him is there and that his dad is, has that goodness in him still. So really it's all about compassion. It's all about him still seeing his dad as good, you know, and not forgetting that. And because of his unwavering sort of goodness in him, Cody's like, okay, come on. <laughs> um, because of his unwavering, like seeing the goodness in his dad, he's able to save him, you know? And he, and even though he dies pretty much after, you know, pretty quickly after, he still says, you saved me, right? Yeah. Like you still saved me because I came back to myself. I came back to the good. I love it. Uh, how are you breathing? I was just passionate. <laughs> All right. Um, what I want to say, though, is that it wasn't convincing him that did it. It was that he saw his son in pain, and that's what brought it out. There was something as so visceral about that. Okay. That that's really what ultimately brought him out of himself and, and brought his, his self back into himself, essentially, is that, like, Luke was doing all the convincing he could do and saying this, that, and the other, but it just wasn't having effect. But him seeing the emperor hurting his son and essentially right about to kill him, like that was that was enough of something visceral that it broke him out of the spell. But so it was really, Luke came it, in the first place because of his desire to change because he knew that he could change right. his dad. But ultimately he had to <clears throat> suffer for it. Like he had to almost sacrifice his, his life to show him how important it was. Vader couldn't go on knowing that his son died at the Emperor's hand. Like in that moment, if he had just done nothing, his son would die and his life would be the same and it would be unbearable. Like he would have wanted to die anyway, but he chose to die respectfully by saving his son. I think the reveal of his face is is the greatest it's so oh, it's good. beautiful. And and the acting, I don't think that actor who the name escapes me gets enough credit, but it's so beautifully acted for that moment. And it's such a crucial moment. And seeing his face and seeing how fucked up he is. No, that's seeing his old. humanity. Yeah, that, old and yeah. fucked up and all messed up. Yeah. And it's like you're he's seeing him with his true eyes right. for the first time. Yeah. And like he's seeing his true face for the first time. It's like for as long as he's known this dark, awful creature, he's just seen the dark, awful creature face. He hasn't seen what it was before. And it's like showing that is such a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. so symbolic. Yeah. It's like, when you, when do you really truly see somebody? Like it's, it's rare in life, you know, not so much with people that you do connect with because you look at them and you see them and you get them, but with people that you don't connect with or people that are antagonists or whatever. Sometimes they die and you never even see their true face, you right, know? Right, And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And the whole time with the mask being on him, you know, that really allows us to f- disconnect from his humanity and disconnect from who he is. And... Yeah, he couldn't have been who he is without that mask. Exactly. He, he needed that mask in order to do what he did. Right, and allowed him to to do that, which I feel like connects to people on the internet who are assholes to each other because we have that <laughs> screen there. Yeah, they're all Darth Vader. They're Well, they're not all <laughs> Darth Vader, but they have a screen in front of them to protect them so no one actually sees them. I mean, people wouldn't be as... I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of hate out there person to person, but I think... The anonymousness. The yeah. anonymousness adds to the ability to just be more... <laughs> to to really disconnect from who we're hurting and and then from people seeing our us so we're able to kind of direct that hate without fully showing ourselves which you know Star Wars mirrors brilliantly and even with the emperor you know cuz the emperor has sort of like a, a shield on him you yeah know? he's he's shrouded in in darkness yeah. essentially and uh yeah i think it's interesting too that you know the Darth Vader costume and everything 
he's essentially making himself droid-like to be able to do what he does. Exactly. Like you look at C-3PO's face and how immobile it is. And you look at Darth Vader's face and how immobile it is. It's the same immobility. And even in, in Luke's sort of like fantasy hazy like trip in episode five, where he fights Darth Vader when he's at, on Yoda's planet, he sees Darth Vader as like this like mechanical thing. And then he like looks at the actual face and it's like his face, whatever. But the point is that like up until that point, like before that moment, he's like fighting Darth Vader and it's like he's fighting like a robot. Like yeah. he cuts off the arm, this, that, and the other. You know, it's in order for him to do what he did, he needed to be like a machine. You know, he, he had to be that. And it's interesting that you see C-3PO and R2-D2 who want nothing more than to not be a machine, essentially. Oh, like they're, yeah. Like they, they want to be part of the gang. Yeah. So you're seeing like the double side of that. Totally. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at armies right now, you know, we, you know, they'll, we dehumanize people that end up being pawns for someone else's greater plan. You know, we have them all dressed the same and, you know, there's no army of people that are like unique individuals. You know, there is a very sort of like making them robotic. No, you can't just show up with your own army outfit. (laughs) This is what I'm going to wear to kill people today. (laughs) I'm going to wear a really cute skirt. (laughs) I like the blue. A little bit of makeup on, right? Like there's totally like just like... It's not like you show up and you're wearing the same thing as somebody else and you're like, oh no, now I have to go home and change. Exactly. Nobody ever has that in the army because they're all wearing the same stuff. They're like, good, we're all wearing the same stuff. Great. Because we're all trying to accomplish the same dark mission. Well, yeah, it's like the stormtroopers in the film. How did you feel about the stormtroopers, by the way? That movie that we saw? What? Stormtroopers. St- oh, sorry. No, not Starship I Troopers. I thought that's what you meant for a oh second. Oh, my God. No, the Stormtroopers. <laughs> Maybe you didn't know the name of them because they don't really say it much in the actual film. The white guys? The white guys. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for them at all. Well, <laughs> I didn't expect you to care for them. I just... What did what'd you think about the like the look of them? Because it they make it very clear that there are people inside of them. Yeah. But they move like robots and they have that same immobile face. And yeah, I, that I freaked actually, me out. I really liked the mask. I always thought the mask was really well designed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the same thing too. Is that to do what they need to do, they need to be like robots. You're seeing these people that are trying to be like robots in order to be able to do these horrible things. Yeah, and oppress people essentially. Exactly. Exactly. So, is AI inherently anything? You know, or is it just what we program them to do? Well, they they couldn't program a robot to do what they did. They had to do it themselves. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't program droids to be their army in in those films. Like it had to be people in there, you know? Mm. Whereas you're seeing like the the droids that are closest to AI, R2-D2, C-3PO, they just want to do good, you know? So it's like their idea of being human is to be part of the gang and seen as an equal and help goodness, you know? Whereas, like Chappie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like Chappie. Yeah. Whereas the the human idea of machine is, all right, we're going to get this done. We're going to do things that we can't do as humans because our compassion would prevent us from doing it. So we're going to do bad by dressing up like robots, essentially. Right. So it's like the robots have an idea of humanity that's positive and the uh, the humans have an idea of robots that's like negative. So interesting. Like they dress up like robots yeah. and that's their idea of it. It's like robots, evil, this, that, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Very. Yeah. Very. And is not unlike what's happening in our world. So what what is that about, you know? Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back with more Star Wars. See you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, the Smug Film Podcast is brought to you by Jay Brunner at Bobby Slow on Twitter. That's the name Bobby and the word slow. Follow this guy on Twitter. He supports us on Patreon. Good man. Good tweets. If you like funny things, if you like people that exist, he's certainly one of them. So uh, check out his stuff. Follow that man. Enjoy yourself while doing so. Also, if you haven't checked out Minor Key Games, do yourself a favor and do that. MinorKeyGames.com. Great computer games. Cheap, too. They're always doing some sort of sale on there. I love their games. 
Super win the game. Eldritch, you have to win the game. Neon Struct. These are good games, folks. They're made by Dave and Kyle Pittman, and they support the show via Patreon, and you should check out their stuff. MinorKeyGames.com. Now, our other sponsor is, of course, Rick Harper. Room Full of Spoons, his upcoming documentary on the movie The Room. Find out all about it at roomfullofspoons.com. He talked to damn near everybody who had something to do with The Room. It's amazing the work that he put into this and his crew. You've heard him on the podcast. He's been on a couple times. He's a great guy. He's supporting this show. So check out roomfullofspoons.com. And now, back to the show. And now, Chloe Peltier reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. So I've been working the hell out of Hateful Eight, and I'm actually really excited to see it. Every time I work it, I want to see it more. Um, The visual style is just fucking awesome. It reminds me of Chaplin's The Gold Rush only, which I love, only uh, way more violent, obviously. And the music is great. And But namely, the thing that like I think is really cool as somebody who works in the theater is the editing. And what I mean is it's really unpredictable. Usually when I work a movie, there's all these beats that are really easy to predict. Like whenever there's a pause or a certain kind of stuff happens with the music, you know there's going to be a jump scare right afterwards, or um, you know there's going to be something loud right afterwards, or you can tell by the amount of dialogue and how quiet it is that there's going to be action next, or it, it's just it just becomes really predictable to the point where, like, I mean, because it, it's kind of a formula that goes on with the editing to the point where even when it's the first time I'm working a movie, I can tell what it's going to sound like as far as its timing. And the thing that I find interesting about Hateful Eight is it's not like that. No matter how many times I work it, I always get caught off guard by the fucking uh, violence and um, the yelling and stuff. Because I usually have my back to the screen and I'll be carrying something. I'll almost fucking drop it because I just can't fucking predict it. It's just... And that's so awesome, like, (laughs) because I'm so used to the same old fucking timing, you know, and this is just so not that. And that is just, that just makes me want to see it real bad because, well, not only is that interesting, but it means that it's less spoiled for me, even though I kind of know what happens because of working it so much and also because of getting really engrossed and standing in the back a lot, to be honest. I feel like my first watch through sitting down is still going to be way more intriguing than it would for most films because of its unpredictability. Another thing is, (laughs) I've been told that this is the movie with the most inwards in it. And yeah, there's a lot. But I noticed a different set of words be repeated often, more than I've ever seen in any movie, or heard, I guess. And uh, that is piece of wood. (laughs) I've never heard the, the phrase piece of wood be used more in any film. So I think that's more of a more of something that's notable because um, the N-word's been in lots of films, even if it hasn't as many times as in this one. But how often do you hear piece of wood repeated over again? Not that many times. So I say that should be noticed. <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. And now back to the show. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voicemail box? Just call the following phone number. 718395 and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. And we are back. All right, now we're going to talk about The Force specifically, because it's kind of like an amorphous thing. And uh, it's it's one of those things where like, we all know what it is. And it's a good shorthand, you know, like it's, it's, it's not, it's never very descriptive in the films. But it's something that we all get when we hear it. It's like, oh, the force, it's like this thing that's in all things and connects all things and you tap into it. But it's never like, so specific and i think that's that's part of the power of it is that everybody watches these movies and they have 
maybe a slightly different idea of what the force really is. Like it's, it's just kind of like this, it's almost like air, you know? What was your, your idea of, of the force from watching the film? This is a film. This is a <laughs> the force is the tuning into the good, tuning into the connection between all things and how you fit into that. Well, that's the positive side of the force. That's a light side, I guess. Yeah, but the force, I think, is actually... I think I think the movie painted it as good or bad. Like, you can use the force in whatever way you want, but I think the force is actually just, like, emptiness. You know, like you said, it's air. Mm. You know, and so recognizing that, that you can you can do what you want with it. But I don't know. I guess I just tend to lean more towards the good in things. Yeah. Always have, so... The force to me, um, you know, and when they say, may the force be with you, um, I was looking it up, like where it comes from. It it comes from like the Bible where where, where they used to say, like, may, may God be with you, you know, as you right. go on your path. So, yeah. but that is, you know, the, the idea of God and the idea of the force, which is, I, I, you know, I think there's connections and also differences between the two, you know. Because that's a Christian idea. Um, may God be with you. And the force is more of a Eastern idea of uh, interconnection between all things. So, yeah, those are two very different actual views of what the force could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's clear that the force helps you do things that you can't really do. Like you can you can move objects. You can move minds, essentially, because you can be like, hey, let me through. And the guy's like, yeah, I'll let you through like even if he's like a guard or whatever. But it's interesting, like the light-dark dichotomy, it seems very like man-made, you know? Like the idea of it being like, all right, there's a light side of the force and the dark side of the force, because it's very subjective. It's it's termed as objective, that there's the good side and the bad side of the force. But really, it's, it's, it's very subjective, like what's good and what's bad. Like if you're trying to get into a place and you're getting into where you're not allowed by saying like, the words necessary in order to get you in there using the force. Like you don't need to see my ID. Like they do that in the film. It's like, is that dark or is that good? It's like, you're manipulating a person towards an end. And like the film is always talking about like not doing that, but you are essentially doing that in that small moment. It's like, is it only okay Mm. if you're doing it towards a greater good? Mm. It's like, but you're still doing something deceitful. Which so it, it it is a gray area, but it's it's sort of we see these Jedi's just waving their hands and going wherever they want and thinking that they're they're on the light side of the force, but it's not like there's some like you know thing in their pocket that like beeps if they're doing the light side or the dark side. Right. It's all very if they go off the track. Yeah, it's very yeah. perspective oriented. Well, I think it's you have to look at the overall intention because you know. I mean, you always talk about how intention doesn't necessarily um, like who the fuck cares about intention. But I think intention ultimately is the driving. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, uh, you know, you say like in, people talk about intention, but ultimately. Like, well, yeah, I guess in, in private conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, overall, like I think intention is very overrated as far as like an excuse. Like I hate when people are like, well, it wasn't my intention to. Right. Or, oh, but I didn't intend. It's like, all right, well, you did. So, so let's go. deal with that. It's like your intention doesn't color it either way, you know? Right. And I think that intention, like you were you were saying how using the force sort of for the own manipulation, but there's nothing necessarily there to sort of you check in with you to say like, wait, but what am I actually trying to do? Is it for good or evil? Yeah, it's entirely subjective. It's all just what you can justify and make a rationalization for. And if you're making Definitely. rationalizations for something, then it's not it's not black and white. It really is gray because rationalizations are gray. Totally. But what society do we want to create? So I think that the, you have to look at what the Jedi's want to create. What is their overall intention? Yeah, Their overall intention is, is good. Right. So that's, that can be enough of a driving force for them, hopefully to check in and say, is this actually leading to, the goal of creating this society that we want to create. But I do think they're clouded by that because, you know, they're clouded by their good intentions because as the emperor points out in six, you know, he's like, fucking kill me. Like that's, that's 
you going towards my end goal in some small way. It's like if you kill me, you're giving into your your fear and your anger. So that's a win for me. You know, it's like the dark side people, specifically the emperor, he sees it a little bit differently. He sees any fear, any anger as part of the dark side. It's like he's calling the Jedi's on their hypocrisy, I guess. Yeah. Because it is like a, uh, it's it's almost like it's easier to be dark side oriented because it's just about, it's about shitting on people's inconsistency, I guess. You know, like the the role of like the dark side force manipulators, it's like a lot of it seems oriented towards the Jedi's are a bunch of hypocrites, which we as as observers of the film, we can relate to that because we we definitely see that. It's there to be seen if you see it. You know, the Jedi's aren't these perfect beings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's a, a good a good part of, of the film. Yeah, and it seems like the, the good guys are basically just saying like, all right, well, any dark side people, it's like they're 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 shit, you know? It's like it's less about the hypocrisy aspect. I, I mean, to me, I feel like I just see the force as, as energy, you know, and, and tapping into energy. Yeah. It's anywhere. just a manipulation of energy. Yeah. It's, it's, that's essentially what the force is. And it's, and that's why it's so powerful because energy is what makes up the universe without energy. You know, if, if the energy goes out of your body and there's no life force pumping through you, you die. So essentially, I mean, the the force is the most powerful thing in the universe. Um, yeah, it's like a heightened concentration of energy that you can tap into. Manipulate. Yeah, exactly. And I think that as long as that's a part of, of your life and you can tap into just like movement and keep going no matter what, like that's that's goodness. You know, it's the thing that the force is essentially the thing that makes us get up in the morning and not want to stay in bed all day and like, you know, say fuck to life. You know, it's it's the thing that really keeps us going, I think. I think that's more just life force in general. Like, I get what you mean about it all being part of the same thing, but I see force is almost like more like a concentration. It's like uh, to do anything towards an end. Like that's when the force is... is the force it's like to get out of bed that's one thing that's like very minimal but like to actually like do something substantial that's more aligned with the force i Mm. guess so you're seeing it almost as a mystical thing a little bit no it's i i would say it's more like mankind's contribution i guess it's more along the lines of that i don't know where i'm going with this (laughs) it's okay yeah i'm sort of forming this as i'm talking about (laughs) Um, so any peripheral characters that you dug guys, you only see a little bit. I like Yoda. I mean, Yoda's very likable. I would say I would classify him as central. I'm talking more about like, uh, I guess like Boba Fett or, uh, Jabba or I mean, I'm naming bad characters, but (laughs) Chewie's cute. You like Chewie? Chewie's adorable. I think I just like the name Chewie. So well, it's full name's Chewbacca. Chewbacca. But Chewie's good. This funny sounds. Well, um, do that again. Draw. <laughs> 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 I have to go a little lower. <laughs> no, it's oh, not happening. Not close. No. There's some people that can do it like yeah. remarkably well. And I'm it's actually creepy. pretty good at making animal sounds. So, all right, maybe maybe it'll come come up soon. I'll just start making the sound. Who else did I like? Um. I like the little, I think the little guys are cute. I didn't like them at first. The Ewoks? Yeah, the Ewoks. Yeah, I was never a big a fan I, of the Ewoks. I think they're cute. You think they're cute? They saved the day a little bit. Without, a little bit. You know, without them, nothing would have happened. Ewoks yeah. and Chewie? Ewoks and Chewie. I feel like Chewie, I like in theory more than I like in practice, just because I get sick of hearing him making his noises. <laughs> it's like, it's all right at first. <laughs> and then like after a couple movies, you're like, all right, I could do with a little less chewy noise because it's not a, it's not a desirable noise. It's not like he's like humming a nice tune. It's just like it's like Chewie's great, you know. Chewie's awesome, but when he makes that weird noise, it's kind of like it's almost like the Anyang beat in like Arrested Development, where everybody just kind of looks at each other and they're just kind of like, mm. yeah, like it. It just it it's a weird vibe. 
I don't like I don't like it. Yeah, it, c- it kind of takes you out of of whatever's going on a little bit. Oh, like Chewie's around. Okay. Yeah, he's going to um, make that noise. I just think I he's know. I think he's sweet. I just think he's a sweetie. Well, we don't really get much characterization from him. Like I I have an idea of like Chewie sort of in my head, but like I don't know if he has like strong enough of like an arc. He almost seems more like a he's monster. He's a dog. He's a little Yeah, like he's a like dog. a dog monster hybrid thing. Like he doesn't feel like enough as a person, I guess. I would have preferred maybe more of a chewy arc in 456, which is interesting because the the much maligned Star Wars holiday special that came out. Um I can't remember if it was after Return of the Jedi or if it was after after Empire, but it's this rare tv thing that like people trade bootlegs of and shit and was never like officially released but was on tv and uh it's like it's horrible and there's there's a part where like chewy has a family mm. and there's like a wife chewy and a baby chewy oh and everything gosh. so it's like they tried to give chewy more of like a life and an arc but you know that didn't work just because it was shitty but i would have preferred like some sort of chewy arc i guess i don't yeah. know i it just Everybody else got something, and I feel like Chewy was just kind of there. It's like, oh, Chewy. He's a doggy. Mm. He's like a sweet little dog. Chewy, Chewy. Well, he's not little. I mean, yeah, kind quite a large dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be nice to have a Chewy around. Sans sound. Yeah, soundless yeah. Chewy. Soundless Chewy would be nice. That should be the name of your band, Soundless Chewy. Then I could cuddle with Chewy, and it'd be fun, and yeah. he'd be sweet. You know, just wanna. I just want to hug all the sweet characters, you know. Right on. R2D2. Oh, I want an R2D2 yeah, so bad. Hug them. Who else? In terms of characters? And you want to hug. Oh. I want to hug. I want to hug Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hug him and <laughs> I feel like just with my hug I would be able to transform him to the good side. Bold statement. Yeah, well. Can you back it up? I think that's how powerful it is. Oh, I can back it up. Can you give good hug. Absolutely. Definitely. But I feel like, yeah, I could, I could. And even the emperor, I feel like he. Even the emperor? Yeah, because look. You could hug the emperor and he'd be all right? Yeah, I think so. If I hugged him long enough, I think it could happen. All right. I mean, I have a lot of faith in my hugs, though. Your hugs have a lot of the force in them, I guess. I think they do. Yeah. I think they do. Any other loose ends we need to tie up on this Star Wars discussion? Any other thoughts you have about the series, I guess? Before we go, I'd like to see it again and again. I think it's one of those movies that movies is, is, is. movies is, is, that you can watch a lot of. And you know, I watched Lord of the Rings in concert hall in Lincoln Center with live music, and I feel like this would be absolutely incredible to see live with a live orchestra because the music music is so just epic. You yeah, know? you you love Lord of the Rings, right? I love Lord of the Rings, and I love seeing it in with people you know do you like star wars better i think i like both you know i think it's all about the hero and you know overcoming yourself and you know the ring you know there's similarity there because the ring sort of takes over and brings him over to the dark side whenever he wears it so there's, there's this force there that's also taking him out but he again has this goal of saving something greater it's like almost the exact same plot line so but do you prefer the lord of the rings story to the star wars story do you think I think I'm just more familiar with the Lord of the Rings story. Yeah. I've seen that movie series like probably six or seven times. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Star Wars countless times. And I haven't. So I think I just have to get used to it. Yeah. I'm wondering when the point should be that I show you one, two, and three. Because you know they're bad. I mean, everybody's told you they're bad. But you I know, you, ha- you haven't actually watched them. And there might be things that you like in them. Yeah. You know, you yeah. might see some stuff with fresh eyes. I mean... I think the general feeling towards one, two, and three is that people feel like they've been burnt by them. Yeah. Like they looked forward to them and they were waiting for something new for so long and then they got it and they were like, eh, it's not so good. It's really sad. But you you don't have that reaction to it. You can watch them literally whenever you want. Yeah. It's not like you're waiting for something. So I'd be interested to see um, what your reaction is to one, two, and three. So maybe we'll do a uh, podcast about that when we uh, 
And we watched those together. Yeah. And you said, you know, we're going to watch um, Indiana Jones, which I've never seen before. Yeah. She's never seen Indiana so, Jones's is. So we're going to be doing that as probably our next trilogy. Harrison Ford. Yeah. You dig him as the Han. Yeah. Wait till you see him as the Indy. Much better character. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked him as that character too. So I think I'll Even like better as Indy. That's very exciting. I promise you. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up here. Any final thoughts for uh, listeners at home? In the morning when you wake up, feel the force within you. Allow, okay. Allow that force to drive you to creating goodness in the world. Right on. That's... I should also plug your podcast, by the way, which I produce. Please. <laughs> <laughs> the Ellie Aaron Hour. The Ellie Aaron Hour. And I actually started... On iTunes. Yes, I started that a while ago and... There's You're on hiatus, but you are going to resume sometime in the near future. But Definitely. people that haven't heard it, they can go back, listen to all sorts of episodes. What, what can you tell us about the show? How can you pitch it? What's the gist? I think it's very spiritual. I think in every single episode, there's always some sort of spiritual wisdom that at least I try to bring out out of my guests and um, to come from the discussion. But it's really just all the stuff that I love and I'm interested in. It's like good conversations, I guess. Yeah, and and I think it's um, it's a little bit more of an interview format. You know, right. there's a it's little one bit. On one. Yeah, and there's a bit more of room for the I think the guests to they give really long long answers. I feel like and, yeah, you and can I don't go talk tons that of different much. places. Yeah, so you're mostly just staring it and just hearing people talk. Exactly. So yeah, if anybody likes really interesting conversations. That's a podcast for that. Absolutely. Sexuality, psychedelics. Um, we have had Cody on the show. We do talk about movies. Yeah, we talk I'm about, on there. We talk about art. Talk about, again, like Buddhism and, and um, spirituality a lot within that. And yeah, it's, you know, people have said that it's kind of like... Um, the greatest. The greatest thing ever. But it's a little bit like the TED talk format where when you leave, like you really feel, hopefully if it's a good TED talk, like you've really learned something interesting. And I just have really cool and interesting people on the show that are doing incredible things in the world. So yeah. All right. So check it out. The Ellie Aaron hour, E-L-L-I-E-A-A-R-O-N on iTunes. Check it out. Ellie. Great to have you on. (laughs) Thanks, Cody. Well, well, (laughs) I'll see you soon. In a second. And yeah, (laughs) as soon as I press stop. Exactly. I'll see you. You will see me. I will (laughs) still be here. All righty. Thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.